Let's finish this season in a galaxy far, far away. Hello everyone, my name is Daniel Dreisen and welcome to What Do We Have Here? As always, I am your host. Today is our season finale and before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to thank an each and every one of you for tuning in and making every single, every single one of my episodes a, an experience that I really, truly enjoy. Now, also, make sure to follow us on our Instagram at uh, wdw.official. It's no longer wdwhh16. It's wdwhh.official. Uh, make sure to fi- uh, share this with your family and friends, and make sure to support our podcast. After all, every penny counts. So without a further ado, Today with us, we have renowned Star Wars poet, Curtis Smith. So Curtis, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself? Sure, uh, Dan, thanks for uh, having me on. It's a, uh, an honor to uh, be closing out season one of the show. Uh, so uh, the bar is uh, set high with the uh, finale title. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, my name is Curtis Smith. I uh, go on uh, social media uh, by the handle and the page name at Star Wars Poetry. So uh, I have a presence on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. However, uh, on Twitter, if for some reason you're trying to find me there, you'll find me at Star Wars Poet. And so Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Star Wars Poetry. And uh, I run a page that focuses exclusively on poetry dedicated to uh, finding those uh, moments of humor or uh, of meaning uh, or poignancy uh, within the Star Wars uh, saga. And I do that in a number of ways, but uh, you can count on uh, seeing uh, a new poem posted every single day of the week, uh, minus weekends, on the page. So if people like short, humorous poetry, or they like Star Wars, and they're not so sure about poetry, uh, they should definitely come over and uh, take a look. I like to, uh, I like to name myself uh, the galaxy's preeminent Star Wars poet. Uh, I'm not sure that there is a lot of competition for that moniker, but uh, I definitely uh, lay claim to it. Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, I've searched far and wide for another Star Wars poet, and I've only come across Curtis, and he does very well. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess it's first and foremost uh, the question that must be asked is uh, why have you decided to become a poet? More important, and more importantly, one that is dedicated uh, to Star Wars. Well, it's a good question and a, a interesting story. I had actually uh, have no uh, formal uh, background in uh, literature or uh, poetry. My uh, training uh, professionally was in the field of veterinary medicine, and so uh, I read. I retired from uh, veterinary practice uh, a few years ago, and uh, so I've just been pursuing uh, things that uh, interest me. And uh, one of those things was right after leaving practice, I thought, well, 
I've got some uh, time on my hands. I'm running a busy household and I have a couple of kids in high school. To, uh, so that keeps me pretty busy. But uh, I have some time now to uh, kind of do things uh, that I might have liked to do, but didn't really have time for uh, as a uh, busy veterinarian. And so uh, one of those things was I, I wanted to join the 501st Legion uh the star wars costuming group that does uh, appearances and charity events uh kind of takes uh screen accurate costuming of star wars characters out to the community uh in oh, in a in an attempt to promote uh the franchise the club and do good works and so the 501st legion uh, focuses on the bad guy characters from the saga so i assume there'll be some people listening to uh, this interview who aren't as big a Star Wars fans as you or I and probably some that uh, will be listening that are even bigger fans than you and I are and so uh, if I mention something that seems very obvious to some of us uh, it's because I'm trying to include people who might not spend a chunk of every day uh, engrossed in the Star Wars fan community and so uh, anyway I made a screen accurate Tuscan Raider costume. So wow. these are the these are the sand people that appear in a couple of the movies and you know usually holding some weapon over their head and you know uh savages ululating in a, a savage way. And so uh, I always thought those characters were really cool. Uh and so uh, I built that costume and started uh making appearances. And so that was kind of my reintroduction to this Star Wars fan community after being professionally a little too busy for most of it other than just seeing the movies when they came out for for a long time and so uh, from there uh, the poetry end came in really just by happenstance my uh, family and I were on a, a short vacation of a few days in Washington DC just seeing the sights and I we happened into a used bookstore. So as we travel around on trips, we tend to find uh, used bookstores wherever we go. I find used bookstores have, you know, all the awesomeness of a bookstore, but usually a little bit more personality in a lot of cases than uh, some chain bookstores do. And so we we wandered in there and I was just kind of perusing the shelves and I found this uh, anthology of, you know, famous poems and uh, I, w I did not have a real tight connection to uh, poetry in my life but I grew up in a family uh, where uh, poetry was maybe a little more common than in the average family my dad used to write occasionally some poetry and just humorous stuff about the family dog or whatever and and recite it and so uh, I, I picked up this uh, collection of poems and I uh, I bought it and started flipping through it and reading through it and I came across some of the poems of Ogden Nash. So Ogden Nash is a poet famous for sort of short funny poems uh, you know in a time <laughs> yeah in a time when poetry was uh, you know played a bigger role I think in the average uh, person's life than maybe it does today with all the distractions and things we have going on and so uh, anyway, I remembered Ogden Nash from when I was a kid and 
Dr. Seuss and Shel Silverstein. And, you know, these were some of the poets who influenced me when I was younger. And so I thought uh, it'd be kind of fun to try writing, uh, you know, a few poems. And I had an Instagram account of my own, a personal page, as a lot of people do. And so I wrote a few poems and stuck them up on there. But I very quickly started cluing into the fact that on Instagram in particular, the pages that do better are the pages that have a, a niche uh, so that people know what they can expect from the page. And, you know, they know it's going to be cats and tutus if they go to this page or it's going to be muscle cars, you know, uh, from the year 60 to 69 on this page. And so you find your community, uh, you know, more easily when you have a niche and uh, to my amazement no no one was really utilizing the niche of Star Wars poetry and so I thought this is a you know this is a pre-existing fan base yeah. uh, and so uh, now I just need to find those people within the fan base who are also open to the possibility of very short funny poems about the thing that they love uh, and uh, it just kind of got rolling from there, really. Uh, so uh, that, that's my, uh, that was my it's a very, journey. Uh, yeah. Very interesting story. Wow. Yeah. So it's long winding, but you got, you finally got to the poetry. That was, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's a uh, very interesting. I mean, from a vet, uh, veterinarian to a, po a Star Wars poet, you know, I, I, I have a local veterinarian. I, I wouldn't think that he would, personally, he doesn't like Star Wars at all, which, you know, I, I, hold that I, like against that him. You, I like that you know that about it. <laughs> I, I, I've, I mean, Star Wars is one of my favorite uh, topics of all time. So, you know, I, I recently, my sister uh, was uh, painting uh, a door of mine uh, to the light side or dark side. I posted on my uh, personal Instagram and you, I, I just absolutely love it. And, you know, I, ha I had to bring up the discussion. So it's truly amazing to see that, uh, you know, uh, a normal veterinarian that you see like thousands of people has this really, you know, uh, amazing talent of turning something that, you know, any person or most people, I hope, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. like just the normal Star Wars genre turns it into something beautiful like a poetry. And I, th that's one thing that I truly admire about uh, that page. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate the uh, kind words. And I, uh, in your veterinarian's defense, I will say, uh, that I uh, did not uh, really have time to explore or, or discover this interest while I was actively uh, pursuing the uh, career of veterinary medicine. It is, it is a career that requires almost all of your time every day, even when you're off, uh, stuff is going on. And so, so you're uh, me there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, right. <laughs> he may find hope. that when he retires, uh, yeah. that uh, he actually loves Star Wars. So uh, we'll check back with him in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, let's, well, I'll check back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with, with that being said, I, I think that uh, it's important to ask, because of course this poetry, uh, you know, takes a lot of time. I, uh, I mean, for me, you know, I personally uh, do write here and there and it takes time for me. So I would think that it takes some time, a lot of time, uh, or at least some time to write your poems. Uh, but one thing I want to ask you is what do you do in your spare time in between? Because you're now, as you stated before, in retirement. Lucky you. <laughs> right. Uh, so what, what would you do? Uh, what do you do in your uh, spare time? Besides well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I would be happy to answer that. But 
if you don't mind, uh, why don't uh, we take a, a side for just a second and let me um, read a couple of poems quick. They're all short, so it oh, uh, won't take much do. time. But I, I feel like at this point in the interview, uh, those people who are listening uh, will get a lot better feel for what it is I do uh, in a less abstract form if I just demonstrate some of yes, it. Uh, and so you can imagine uh, as, uh, as I'm reading these poems that there is uh, spectacular artwork in many cases uh, uh, in these posts uh, associated with these poems. And in fact, uh, many of my poems are a collaborative effort between professional Star Wars artists that work to create original pieces of artwork for Topps, the trading card company. And so Topps has a Star Wars line. And within these packs of trading cards, they will sneak in a few of these original one-of-a-kind card-sized pieces of art uh, that have been created by uh, a variety of artists that uh, work for them. And so these are called sketch cards. And uh, the artists who collaborate on my post are, for the most part, uh, sketch card artists who create this artwork for the purpose of being included in these top trading card sets. And so I have a pool of artists that I work with uh, for some of these posts. And uh, so if people come to my page and they see this cool art, uh, you know, then they should recognize, and I mentioned this in the, the caption of every poem, who the artist is and, you know, talk a little bit about him. So, yeah. uh, so it, it's a collaborative. Really realistic. Most of them yeah, not. right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are different styles of artwork. Every artist has a little bit different approach to it. I also do some poems where I use uh, screen caps, but we'll talk more about uh, that later. So I have a couple of different directions that the poetry goes in sort of different categories. But uh, for a long period of time, I was doing all my poetry in collaboration with uh, professional artists. And so, uh, so it's a two for one. You come for the poetry and then you, uh, you also get to see some amazing art and maybe you go over and follow uh, an artist that you didn't know about before and you know that gift keeps on giving then. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I do three kinds of poetry on my page. I do limerick, which is a, a sort of humorous rhyming short poem. I, I do did not I, know the terminology for that, so thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, absolutely. I do uh, haiku, which is a traditional Asian style of poetry that works off of a format of the first line being uh, five syllables. So uh, you've got to really think about what you're going to say because one word can sometimes be five syllables. The second line is seven syllables and the third line is five syllables. And so you have a total of 17 syllables uh, to uh, get across uh, whatever that moment you're trying to capture uh, is and, and if you're trying to get some humor or some emotion or some irony into there that you know that is a challenge in and of itself uh, yeah I but... tried that in my um, <laughs> middle school I was I, I failed I did not <laughs> I was not successful so, <laughs> so uh so there's limerick uh there's haiku and then there's something called anapestic tetrameter uh, which is a, a form of meter and rhyme that most people will recognize as being the, uh, the style most commonly used by Dr. Seuss. And so 
Uh, so those are the three types of poetry I write. And uh, I think the limerick uh, uh, sort of lends itself uh, to, uh, to demonstrating for people. And so uh, I'll uh, read a couple of quick uh, limericks uh, on a couple of uh, my uh, favorite topics. So those include uh, Darth Vader and uh, Porgs. So uh, <laughs> yes. Darth Vader, uh, this, uh, this poem is inspired by the scene uh, at the end of the movie Rogue One where he's in the hallway and the dark and yes. the light red lights ever comes on and then he just one of my mows favorite movies, through. by the way. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. So uh, uh, he just mows through uh, this hallway full of rebel uh, uh, troopers uh, in an attempt to get back the plans for the Death Star which uh, they valiantly managed to hand off and escape with leading us right into the very first ever made movie, A New Hope, uh, which picks up a couple minutes after that scene. And so, uh, so the artwork here is, is actually just a screen capture of Darth Vader with the red lightsaber in the dark hallway. And it says, I'll take those. Cutting down troops with abandon. I'll take those plans that you're handing off to your chum. You are all rebel scum and everyone dies where they're standing. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that I, is, I remember actually reading that one. Uh, that was written, <laughs> that was written fairly early uh, in my uh, process. And it is probably the poem that more people have seen than any other, because I put it onto uh, magnets that I uh, handed out at uh, one of the big uh, Star Wars conventions. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, put it onto uh, a t-shirt uh, that my daughter and I wear uh, to uh, conventions to help uh, publicize the uh, Instagram page. And so uh, anyway, I really like that one. And uh, I will uh, give you another. Uh, yeah, that one was that, really good. Uh, <laughs> I will give you another on. Uh, um, this is uh, a favor another favorite of mine. And this is uh, focused on the scene in uh, the uh, third of the Star Wars movies, so the Revenge of the Sith. And at this point in the saga, Anakin, our hero through sort of the first two movies, is uh, turning to the dark side. And he is sent uh, by uh, the, our evil master, uh, Darth Sidious, uh, the Emperor, to uh, clear out this uh, Jedi temple, including the kids, uh, or what they call in the saga, younglings, uh, who have been left at the temple, uh, who were in the training program to become Jedi. And mm -hmm. so uh, Anakin's eyes have turned, he's become evil at this point, and he shows up with the clone troopers, and uh, the uh, poem is called About That. Anakin, what a surprise. The Jedi have met their demise. We're so glad you're here. We were frozen with fear. Master Annie, what's up with your eyes? Uh-oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the end. <laughs> you, you may, you may uh, get the impression that all of my poems have sort of a dark uh, twist to them, which isn't actually true. Uh, but uh, some of the ones I like the best uh, uh, so anyway, so that's an example of the format of Limerick. Uh, and I would say that 
a lot of the poems uh, that appear on the page uh, are uh, limerick. And at this point, uh, I have written roughly 175 Star Wars-based poems. <laughs> and so wow. there, there are very few topics that you could name uh, that I have not written a poem about. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll later if uh, you uh, want to play uh, Stump the Star Wars Poet, uh, you can offer up a few topics and I feel fairly certain uh, that I have uh, poems on them. And anybody who's listening uh, who uh, wants to uh, uh, follow the can message through uh, and ask, hey, do you have a poem on this or that, uh, can feel free. And so uh, anyway, so there is uh, some examples of what I do. So now people have a little something, uh, a little bit of understanding of what the page is like. Now, ask again, you had asked me uh, a question. I said, uh, let me, I will answer that. Oh, what do I do in my free time? Well, a lot of it is taken up running uh, this page. I pulled back a little bit on Facebook and uh, Twitter. The pages are still there. There's still a massive library of poems there, but I'm not posting on those platforms every day any longer because I found them somewhat frustrating and hard to master, whereas I feel like I really understand what makes Instagram tick these days and can yeah. get a lot more exposure on Instagram than I can uh, on those other pages. Uh, but running the page and really being a not just a good supplier of Star Wars poetry, but a good follower of the pages of people who follow me uh, takes up uh, a fair chunk of time. But I also do a lot of other creative sorts of things. And so I paint, I like to uh, watercolor paint, I uh, do some digital painting, uh, I paint miniatures for uh, war games. So I'm painting some Star Wars Legion miniatures and I'm painting wow. some Warhammer 40k miniatures and I have a large uh, number of uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battle uh, miniatures. So these are all tiny little sort of like one inch, to one inch tall <laughs> figures, you know, so they're yeah. very tiny and excruciating to paint, just, you know. <laughs> to be exposed to Warhammer. It's funny that you Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so uh, you have a little bit of feel for it. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the average like person size figure is about an inch tall uh, mm -hmm. in that scale for those games. And so um, I've been painting miniatures that are on that scale since I was in high school uh, when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, so uh, that's where I kind of got my start. And I've just been slowly refining my technique, you know, uh, throughout my life. And so uh, anyway, so I still do that and enjoy doing that. But mostly I just I just uh, sort of pick up anything that kind of catches my fancy and and learn to do a little bit uh, of it. You know, I, I spend some time shooting handguns and uh, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, it'd be cool to learn how to snap you know crack a whip so i bought a whip and i practiced that a little bit and i can crack the whip pretty reliably i uh recently my wife and i uh, have been practicing throwing axes uh at wow. a target in the backyard uh hand axes hatchets yeah, uh, yeah. and uh and you know i have a uh i um bow and uh, arrow that i uh, practiced shooting and you know so i was just anything that i go well that's kind of cool. I wonder what that's like, or, you know, then I uh, kind of 
play around with it for a while and see what I can do with it. So uh, you have a don't mess with me sign in front of your uh, <laughs> on your front lawn. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, you keep well, all that stuff hidden well, in, for in any the backyard. Listeners, you know, don't don't mess with him. <laughs> sounds uh, ways. <laughs> sounds like a lot of my interests are somewhat martial, but uh, you know, uh, you got to balance that out with the fact that I spend more more time composing uh, poetry and painting uh, than uh, I do shooting things and throwing axes. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I have eclectic uh, interests and I uh, have the advantage of time to uh, pursue those. So. Mm -hmm. No, it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, axe throwing, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've only seen it on uh, television, but that, that's really good. <laughs> they're, doing it in, they're doing it in bars and stuff, you know, uh, now. Yeah, it seems like a bad mix, right? Wow. <laughs> axe throwing and alcohol. But uh, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big, um, they're actually leagues, and uh, it's a uh, big uh, a draw for a lot of uh, water holes as they have lane set up to throw axes and so um anyway just like you know some places have arcades and, yeah. and bars and you know some reason to bring you in uh to drink basically mm -hmm. yeah I, that's that's really cool but uh i think the it's only fair for a poet to that i ask the question uh, how long does it take uh for you to come up with a poem or haiku and and where do you get your inspiration from like clearly of course it is uh, from star wars right uh, yeah but where do you uh, narrow in on the inspiration? Uh, what, what sparked you to do it? And how long does it truly take for you to... Uh, uh, right. right. So right. Yeah. Uh, it, it varies a little bit. But I think, you know, most of us at some point in our life will figure out what it is at what time of the day or doing what activity we are most creative you know and mm -hmm. and so for some people maybe it's in the shower you know they get their best ideas you know in the shower or for somebody else maybe they get their ideas mowing the lawn mm -hmm. uh, I find with respect to poetry anyway that I get most of my poems written when I'm walking and so I do a lot of walking just for my own benefit uh, you know it's, I it's about a three and a half mile loop through our neighborhood if you go up and down every road. Mm -hmm. And so I will just set my mind to work on a problem, uh, uh, looking for a rhyme or trying to think of an angle uh, for a poem. And so the very first thing I look for in a poem is uh, a, whether it's a haiku or a limerick or, or an anapestic tetrameter, is I'm looking for a hook. I'm looking for that thing that is the core of what the poem is about. And so, mm -hmm. and my style of poetry is really not to just recount what happens in Star Wars, because for most of us that are fans, we already are well aware of um, what happens in Star Wars. Some of us are too well aware of what happens yes. in Star Wars, uh, you know, down to the extreme minutia. Uh, and so just, just restating what happens in the, in the saga, uh, even if I'm jumping around, 
is not very interesting to me, and I feel like it's not that interesting in the long term for for uh, people who follow the page. And so, instead, I'm looking at it from a different point of view. I'm trying to find a different perspective to look at it from. You know, I I look at a character, and you know, and I'm thinking, wow, I wonder how often he brushes his teeth. Or, you know, does, do Darth Vader's feet ever hurt, you know, in that outfit? Or, you know, I'm trying to find an angle uh, to find humor in the saga uh, in places that people haven't before because I'm taking a different perspective than what we all accept and know happened, you know? And so this sometimes gets me into trouble because there are people who know so much about Star Wars and are so literal minded. And because so much of what I do is humor, you know, I'll, I'll write a poem and, you know, I'll, I'll be all happy with myself and I'll be getting all kinds of comments and responding <laughs> back and forth with people. And then someone will write, you know, Darth Vader didn't really have to use the bathroom when he was in his suit. You know, <laughs> I'll be like, okay, I, I get it. You know, I actually know quite a lot about Star Wars. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not creating these uh, funny, uh, you know, poems because I don't understand Star Wars. It's because I do understand Star Wars and I'm finding the humor uh, in it. <laughs> and so sometimes uh, I find the people who find my page don't always kind of understand that... Um, the point is is oftentimes uh, to intentionally misunderstand something that we all know uh, for the purpose of creating humor. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the, the, I, I have also seen uh, those people quite take it quite literally. And uh, again, that's one thing I truly like about uh, your uh, page about poems. You really take a, a funny spin on things on uh, every character, whether it be dark, you know, mysterious. A right to evil right later. you always right. <laughs> had a funny spin yeah well, well so let, let me uh give uh, an example with a poem here one of my yeah. favorite things uh in star wars is the critters uh not necessarily the alien species the sentient species you know although i do love all the amazing work and creativity that goes into creating those characters yeah. But uh, but the the animals, if you will, of Star Wars intrigue me as a veterinarian. I think I'm drawn to those critters, the Tauntaun, the Porgs, the yeah. Crystal Foxes, <laughs> you know, the Banthas. The, so, like, if I was a veterinarian in a galaxy far, far away, these would be my patients. And so I think I'm naturally interested in those critters and so um the porgs are one of my all-time favorites uh they were uh one of the things to come out of uh the last jedi uh that uh you know i can find very little fault with and so uh, i really love them and they were thrown in there because there were so many puffins on skelly michael where they filmed uh octo the island uh, in the movie that uh, Luke Skywalker was sort of had his hermitage on and where yep. the Jedi Temple was that they just kind of covered all these puffins 
with these uh, porgs and, and then did puppetry and stuff for them. And so uh, I have uh, cosplayed uh, porgs uh, in a way that no one else has. And we can talk yeah. about them later if there's time. But uh, porgs are one of my all-time favorites. And they appear in three or four of the different poems that I've written. But the most recent one uh, takes that, uh, that sort of humorous approach and so uh, it pairs Porg, sort of the most innocent and amazing uh, thing to come out of recent Star Wars with Darth Sidious, uh, Lord Palpatine, the uh, evil emperor who is the big bad, ultimately behind everything uh, pretty much that goes on in the Star Wars galaxy. Like and so, right, so the poem is called, Didn't See That Coming, <laughs> Our Galaxy Conquest Proceeds Unforeseen. The Wookiee has realized that we're not cuisine. Just keep looking glum. These rebels are dumb. When do we next contact Palpatine? Uh-oh. Well, now, so, now we know, uh, we know who, now, <laughs> through the pork's eyes. <laughs> yes, now we know uh, that uh, the porks were, in fact, uh, a force of evil working behind the scenes to bring back the return of Palpatine. Uh, and... <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, go ahead with your uh, question. To... Yeah, so uh, I think that's, I mean, it's a good twist. I did not, I, you know, now, now I'm thinking about it, it just, it just might be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to start a page dedicated to people who think the Porgs were actually the minions of, uh, of uh, the Emperor. You never know. <laughs> you never know. So, um, my uh, follow-up question to that would be is uh, how long would it take for you to become with the poem or, or a haiku? Because uh, as I said before, I, it's impossible for me to come up with one. <laughs> I've tried and I failed uh, and, it, and I've taken a long time. So how long would it take for you um, on average to uh, create a poem or a haiku? Well, uh, the haikus are definitely faster for me. And so uh, a, uh, a limerick can often take, you know, I said I'm kind of coming up with these on my walk, and so I walk about three, three and a half miles uh, a day on average, and so I could write one uh, limerick sometimes in that time, but I could often, I've definitely written up to three haikus on uh, a single walk if I know what the topic is going to be, and I have the hook already in my mind. I know what's going to make it funny or what is going to make it very emotional or, or ironic. Then to work out the syllables and exactly what words I'm going to use, you know, I can, it, I can do one of those in about the time it takes me to walk a mile. And I carry a notebook with me in my pocket when I'm walking and I just pull it out. And so if you were in my neighborhood driving through on your way to the grocery store, you might see me just standing on the side of the road with a notebook and a pencil and just uh, writing down this stuff before I forget it. You know, that's why I keep the notebook with me because you can have something, you can, you can think the perfect thing. You could be like, oh, I can't believe I came up with that. It could be an idea for a poem. It could be a rhyme. You know, you just like the way these two words rhyme together. It can be the whole poem complete just comes to you. And you think, I'll never forget that. That is the best idea ever. And 10 minutes later, you can be like, what was that? I can't remember it to save my life, you know? And uh, maybe that's my age. 
but uh, at least for me, uh, I, I rip out that notebook and jot down whatever it is as soon as I uh, come up with it and then can go back later and work on it uh, so I never lose anything. Sometimes I'll think of something right as I'm going to sleep and I'll think, oh, yeah, I, I'll remember that. That's perfect. And then I'll get up in the morning and be like, I have no idea what that was uh, now. Uh, so I try and write, write everything down. And so I could do... If I knew already what the hook was going to be in the topic, I could write three haikus on a walk. So maybe, you know, uh, 15 minutes, you know, or less each. And uh, there are other times uh, where I just can't quite figure out how to get these rhymes to work. When you're doing a limerick, you need three rhyming words and then another set of two rhyming words because lines one, two, and five rhyme and lines three and four rhyme. And so trying to figure out what those three rhyming words are gonna be is always the hardest part. And so if I know what the last line is gonna be, uh, that's usually where I start and then I work backwards from that. Uh, that way I know that that last impactful line that leaves you with the, the joke or the meaning or whatever, I've already got that right mm -hmm. out of the gates. It's the number one thing I do. And so, uh, so people would be surprised how fast some of these poems come and, and yeah. surprised uh, how long it can take me other times. And most of the longer poems that I write are in that Dr. Seuss style because I just find uh, it flows better for me when I'm writing longer things. And I try really not often to write longer poems simply because, not because I don't enjoy them, actually my very favorite poem of all that I've written is a little bit longer, but uh, Instagram is a fast format. Like people, they're paging through, they're like flip, 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 <laughs> flip, flip, you know, hopefully <laughs> yes, double yes. tap, double tap, mm -hmm. like, you know, flip, 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 you know, you're going through stuff really quick. And yep. so uh, I, I find that I've got to keep the stuff really tight and short and one page only you know, in order to really maximize the, the benefits of the format. Uh, if I try and get longer and you have to page through multiple pages to get the whole poem, it can be really hard uh, just because that's not what people are kind of geared for on Instagram. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, I do, I, I personally do enjoy your very long poems as well. Uh, but yes, I, I do understand the, uh, the tactic. <laughs> uh, so I, <laughs> Uh, one thing that I uh, remember you mentioning was that you go to these conventions. I unfortunately do not. I have always been wanting to go from Star Wars conventions, uh, Star Wars Celebration, always wanted to go, never have. That is definitely one thing that I will do in hopefully the near future. But you said yourself that you did, that you have. Yeah, yeah, so, I um, have. Yeah. So uh, could, I, could you tell us uh, what uh, conventions, you know, is like your favorite or that you like to go to? And what specifically right. do you like to cosplay as? And uh, one note that, you know, of course, a celebration from what I hear has been canceled this year, which is, you know, sad. So did you have a plan if we, you wanted to be, uh, go as this year? <laughs> yeah, well, that's absolutely correct uh, on all counts. And so uh, Star Wars Celebration has been canceled this year. And the next one is not uh, scheduled until 2022. And so it won't be next year. It will be the year after that. So they already set the date for it. I will tell you, usually you get the heads up that they're going to do one. Uh, and these are, these are Star Wars only conventions. So, you know, they're not 
combining uh, all of the fandoms that you might find at a, like a Comic-Con or something. Star Wars Celebration is all about Star Wars. And so everybody's there cosplaying uh, in some way related to Star Wars, all the booths, all the talks, everything. It's all Star Wars. And so, and there are, it's not something that happens a lot. You know, yeah. this is something that happens usually at most once a year. And there have been periods where there've been multiple years between. And so, I went in 2017 to Orlando, and that was the first one I'd ever been to. Mm -hmm. And then I went again in 2019 to Chicago. Uh, and so that was the very next one that I could have gone to. So two years later in Chicago. So, it, you know, they have it once every couple of years in one location. You got to travel across the country, you know, to get there. And if you're going to costume, you know, it's really hard to fly to these places, depending on what kind of costuming you do, uh, because these costumes take up a ton of space. And so uh, I drove to Chicago from, from our home on the East Coast. It was about 16 hours to get there. Uh, and so just because I wanted to bring these costumes along to be able to uh to be able to wear and so uh the costumes that i uh, the star wars costuming that i do uh most of the time is an empire strikes back version of darth vader mm -hmm. and so the reason uh i am so specific about that is because uh, believe it or not, for all of those of you who are just peripherally uh, interested in Star Wars, uh, the costume for Darth Vader is slightly different in every single movie he appears in. Yes. And so if you're doing a screen accurate costume for something that has to be approved officially, uh, like for the 501st Legion, it has to be accurate to a specific movie. And so I find the Empire Strikes Back version of Darth Vader to be the absolute best version of Darth Vader. And so uh, he is Darth Vader in his prime, you know, he is force choking Imperial officers who are disappointing him. He is, he is large and in charge in that movie. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Darth away. Vader, yeah, he is the Darth Vader from A New Hope, the first movie is a little beat up and tired uh and uh, you know it's, it's reflected in his costume and the uh the darth vader uh from uh the return of the jedi the third movie uh he's a little brighter and shinier and right off the showroom floor but he is also you know a shadow of the uh he's a, he's a darth vader having regrets you know he's mm -hmm. he's yeah. rethinking his allegiances uh you know so for me, the Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader is just the uh, the best Darth Vader, and that's the one that I chose to costume in all of its little specific nuances. And so uh, I do hospital visits for sick kids. You know, I do big uh, convention appearances with the 501st. We do movie premieres and uh, you know parades and all kinds of stuff. And so I have other costumes that I do, official screen actor costumes. I mentioned wow. the Tuscan Raider. Yeah. I do an Imperial officer, you know, in the dark uh, black uniform with the hat and everything, sort of uh, the Darth Vader's evil henchmen. And you see them oftentimes uh, kind of in charge of the stormtroopers. Uh, and uh, I uh, am working very slowly on a stormtrooper armor for uh, for a sam trooper so those are the troopers you wow. see on 
Tatooine looking for the droids, you know, and they're all beat up and dirty because they're actually doing some work. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but the costume that I'm proudest of was one that I created myself from the ground up, uh, not something that I had, you know, guidelines for and a lot of reference for. I just created it out of my head. And that was at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, I costumed the island of Octo. Uh, so this wow. is, as I mentioned before, the island that the Porgs live on. And so I created this island costume covered in porgs. I had a, a mama porg with baby porgs on top of the island, which was uh, inside the costume, situated on top of the helmet inside uh, on top of my head. I had wow. animatronic porgs that I activated internal with a hand that I had a whole control sheet where I could make the porgs on the front of me, on the back of me, up top, down low, all activate and talk and wave their arms at different points. Uh, and then crazy. I had wow. this porg puppet that I had created that was on my arm sticking out of the island and sort of uh, kind of painted to look the same color as the island and then this porg and I could reach it over and put it on people's shoulders and on their heads and, and make it look around and wave at people and stuff and so it was this whole multimedia uh, porg event and, and uh, a very unusual cosplay and it made a massive splash at Star Wars Celebration, much beyond my expectation. It was the premiere yeah, for the sure. costume. I'd never worn it anywhere before. And when I came out with that thing, uh, I was just swamped with people. Mm -hmm. And uh, after 10 minutes, you know, uh, somebody came up to me, uh, a very nice uh, young lady and said, hey, I'm with Lucasfilms and we were wondering if you would come downstairs. We have a, a photo studio set up and we'd like to take some pictures of the costume. And then uh, later, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I guess I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, later, uh, uh, Lucasfilm came around again uh, with uh, a video camera and videoed a little bit of the costume and then put it on their Star Wars Twitter account. Wow. Uh, it's just like a six, seven second clip of the costume. And that's all they show. It's not one where they're doing a montage of 100 different costumes. It was just my costume that went up on their Star Wars uh, Twitter and it got 43,000 views. Uh, so uh, yeah, it was a big day for me. Uh, and uh, uh, really uh, was surprising. Some of the uh, authors who were there to have panels who write Star Wars books actually mentioned the costume in their panel. You know, they, one of the questions was something about what's your favorite thing you've seen at Star Wars Celebration. And one of the women who was writing uh, some of the most popular current books um, Claudia Gray said, oh, it, there was this costume of the island of Octo with porgs all over it. And, you know, and I, somebody told me about that. And then I went and found video from that uh, panel and uh, watched it to see that that was very cool. And the, uh, wow, the primary really puppeteer for BB-8, I think most people, even if they're not huge Star Wars fans, know who BB-8 is. He's the little ball droid that we see on our grapes or our yogurt cups or wherever at the grocery store, you know, he's on every Star Wars promotional thing you see. Uh, so the primary puppeteer for BBA was there and uh, he came and got a picture with me in the Octo costume. And he was also one of the puppeteers who worked on the Porgs on the movie. And wow. so I did not even know uh, at the uh, time uh, who he was and then later 
uh, he uh, posted a picture of us together, me in the costume, uh, on his uh, in, on his Twitter page, and uh, somebody uh, flagged me into it, uh, and so that was a real cool surprise that came later after the yeah. fact. Uh, you know, there's a picture of me uh, in my Porg uh, costume with my Porg puppet sitting on the shoulder of the guy who was one of the primary puppeteers for the Porgs uh, in the movie, and he just looks happy as a clam. So, uh, anyway, that was a that was a cool little surprise. That, that, that's moment. really amazing! Wow. And who were you planning for uh, to become? You know, this year. <laughs> Sadly, I had been, I had not been planning to attend this year because oh. it was in Anaheim, and I am on the East Coast. And as I'd already mentioned, if you want to do costuming, you know, it would have meant trying to fly these giant crates across country to have them there uh, for the event. And so uh, maybe uh, someday I, I will be uh, appearing in a uh, panel in my capacity as uh, the world's uh, preeminent Star Wars poet. And then, uh, then we will have, uh, then we'll have a, a, a reason to go out without bringing the uh, costumes along. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I would, I would definitely visit by then. I think I'll be able to go. <laughs> I highly recommend it. There is nothing like it, you know, even at mm -hmm. these other big cons uh, where they do all kinds of different things, there'll be Star Wars stuff, but there's nothing like being in a giant place that is wall to wall with people who are crazy about the same thing that you are crazy about. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that is, uh, is a very unique experience. Uh, and, and I highly recommend it to uh, anybody who gets the chance. Yes, absolutely. And I, I definitely also would recommend it. I, I haven't even gone. I've only seen footage and I would recommend it. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> There's lots of great footage out there. If anybody's mm -hmm. kind of curious now, if we've sparked an interest in anybody, you can just go to YouTube and type in Star Wars Celebration uh, floor, you know, video or Star Wars Celebration video. And there's people who have put together some amazingly professional montages of costumes and events and mm -hmm. panels. And they're always, you know, showing you the trailer that nobody has seen for the next movie or the first episode of the Mandalorian for next season or whatever you know there's always stuff that you're seeing that nobody else has seen you know at these events which makes it even cooler so. absolutely absolutely uh so right now we will be taking a quick break uh but don't don't go anywhere because we will be back right after this ad welcome back to what do we have here i am your host daniel dreisen uh, we're uh, with Curtis Smith and uh, star, renowned Star Wars poet, and we were just talking about uh, him cosplaying and about uh, these awesome conventions that, uh, once again, I, uh, I personally will want to, and I hope all, all my listeners will want to go to as well. But, I mean, this, this really comes down to every single person I've ever met who likes Star Wars. Uh, who is your favorite Star Wars character in the entire franchise? That is the one question that I have to ask, definitely. Well, I feel like I need to say uh, Darth Vader because mm -hmm. he's so central to the entire saga and a character that I love so much and cosplay and bring so much joy to people in the form of that cosplay. It's funny to me sometimes that, you know, such an amazingly evil character is so beloved by so many people, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. there, no, 
no sick kid in the hospital is happier than when Darth Vader comes into the room. Definitely. You know, and that uh, that uh, is a is a strange juxtaposition. Uh, you know, it is. It took me a while to sort of kind of figure out what things uh, you know I could say in that situation that would be meaningful to kids, but also sort of you know stay in character as well and so because it's such a you know the character is is not often once he's transformed into Darth Vader you know a sympathetic character yeah (laughs) Uh, (laughs) doesn't like his officers failing at all does he (laughs) right (laughs) so uh, he just has no he has no patience for anybody's nonsense uh, which I I definitely appreciate that Absolutely. And I, I suppose the uh, follow-up question, since we're on the topic of uh, favoritism, uh, is w- w- what is your favorite movie? Because, you know, there's been a quite a, a diversity of uh, opinions in the last... You know, right. Sure. On, on sure, the trilogy. And, you know, there's more <laughs> incoming news that I'll be uh, bringing up in about Star Wars uh, l- later on in today's episode. Uh, but sure. my question for you is, what, what is your favorite... Uh, episode i suppose or movie in, yeah. in throughout the entire star wars trilogy and then a follow-up question for that would be uh i've personally talked to you about uh you know the star wars uh last three films personally from my end i didn't quite like them but you always take a positive spin on each and every film so uh we, i would like right. to talk, talk about that in uh, uh after the original question but yeah out of all out of all nine uh what is your favorite star wars movie or yeah well i think I think all you and one. you and listeners will probably be surprised by my answer, and so uh, the answer is Rogue One, uh, which I'm is not, not at all my favorite. Which is well. <laughs> not part of the uh, official Skywalker saga, but one of the additional movies that fills in a little space for us. Uh, there have been two of those so far. And uh, unfortunately, uh, because of some of the circumstances of uh, the world we live in, uh, the second one, Solo, a Star Wars story that gave us the backstory of young Han Solo and how he turned into the character uh, that we know in the rest of the saga, did not do as well. And, and I don't think necessarily solely on its merits. I think it was actually a much better movie than it got credit for. It simply came at the eye of a hurricane of bad promotion and then sort of a uh, extremely grumpy fan base at that period in time because it came out right after the last jedi and people were in a an uproar about that and so uh so anyway it was sort of the perfect storm and it you know in a lot of ways through no fault of its own did not uh make the money that they're used to from a star wars movie and and sort of uh was the death knell to some of these smaller Star Wars projects getting made. Fortunately, with Disney Plus, we have another avenue that's maybe even better. It may be a blessing in disguise that they decided not to make some of these uh, sort of spin-off movies because uh, I think we're going to be getting some more amazing stuff on Disney Plus as time goes on uh, between the the Kenobi uh, miniseries and then the one coming up that is a spinoff of Rogue One with Cassian and then K2SO and so uh, so uh, Rogue One is my favorite movie and what it does uh, for those who haven't seen it and I believe there probably will be listeners 
who aren't familiar with the Star Wars movies, but don't actually know a lot about Rogue One, it was a movie, sort of a standalone, that filled in the story uh, between episode three and episode four about how did the rebels get these plans to the Death Star that they, at the start of the very first movie, A New Hope, that they are running with and, you know, and then handing off to the droids and, and the movie follows, uh, what happens there uh, as they try to make use of those plants to destroy the first Death Star. And so Rogue One is all about how did they get those plans and how was it that there was this weakness in the Death Star's defenses? And so um, it filled in some holes in the previous official storyline. But aside from that, I mean, that's nice, but it I wouldn't have been my favorite movie because of that. It gave us a, uh, it had a very uh, significant ensemble cast. So there were a lot of great characters and a lot of actors doing a really great job uh, on that. And, uh, and it gave us uh, a great new villain uh, in, uh, ben Mendelssohn's Director Krennic. That is, if I didn't say Darth Vader, I would have said Director Krennic as my favorite uh, character from Star Wars. He is just so, um, so jerkily bad. I mean, he's yeah, such a jerk. Uh, he plays it so uh, well. You just hate him. Uh, and, uh, you know, my favorite scene in this movie is a scene where he's got the drop on our heroine's dad, uh, who is the, one of the scientists who helps develop the Death Star, and he's tried to escape and make a new life for himself, and they've hunted him down on this planet, and he's sort of a farmer, and is, he's telling, uh, he's sent his wife off with his young daughter to try and escape, and he's telling Director Krennic, you know, oh, you know, uh, my wife died, and, yeah. you know, uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, this, there's nothing, you know, left for me here. And, and uh, director Krennic at one point looks over and the wife has uh, returned after stashing the daughter and, and she's hiding, you know, and she's going to try and shoot him. And he sees her and he says, this is my favorite line in the whole movie. He says, oh, look, it's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's, it's really <laughs> such a I, jerk. <laughs> yeah, I really did like how he depicted uh, Director Krennic. Truly, uh, I mean, it, that's all you expect from an evil director always, you know, trying to hunt down rebels. He did it very well. Right. And so it has my favorite droid uh, in the whole saga, K2SO, yes. who is uh, a reprogrammed, you know, uh, Imperial uh, droid. And uh, he's long and lanky, and he is acted uh for, by one of my favorite actors alan tudyk and uh and he is very sarcastic you know i like a droid that speaks english you know so it's yes. not all whistles and hoots and uh and i like a he's less whiny than c-3po it's sort of he replaces c-3po's whininess with uh with sarcasm uh and so i i just really like that uh that character there a uh, poem about him uh on the page as well people want to check that out uh and so anyway the uh and and ultimately uh it, it has a great space battle it has a great land battle it has new kinds of stormtroopers which people in the 501st legion always love uh when there are new stormtrooper costumes that can be uh screen accurately replicated uh and 
uh, it has, uh, you know, a whole crew of awesome uh, rebels that are all working towards this one goal, and each character is very unique in its own way. But best of all, it has this scene that we talked about uh, at the start of the show, where Darth Vader appears at the end of the movie. It just almost was like it wasn't going to be there, and then boom, there's Darth Vader, and you see for the only time in the entire saga, really. Darth Vader sort of unleashed using his force powers to just tear through these rebel troopers. And I spent my entire uh, life waiting to, that, to see Darth Vader on the screen really do what he was capable of doing. And that was the moment. Uh, so for so many reasons, that Rogue One is my favorite of the Star Wars movies. Absolutely. I guess you could say Darth Vader had unlimited power. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, Rogue One is a fair fit. I, as I, you know, briefly stated, Rogue One is my favorite movie as well uh, for all the same reasons and more. Uh, but my next question uh, actually is directed to, uh, you know, Star Wars characters in general and how you cosplay as them because you brought up that you're part of this 501st Legion. I have heard of the 501st Legion. Uh, I've never, you know, done some real deep digging into it. And, uh, I also just recently contacted a person who has his own Star Wars religion, and I thought that was kind of interesting. But I think um, <laughs> it's, I, it's not it's not specifically uh, uh, it's billed as the a Jedi faith or something like that, or is it? Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, It's it's basically it, on on their uh, title. It says that they are a religion which is something uh -huh. that I didn't uh, quite <laughs> understand at the moment. But uh, it's called the, Je uh, the Jedi Legion, and where there's supposed to be spaces, they, uh, there are dots. Uh, Interesting. Well, if you, if you dealt with uh, Star Wars fans on a daily basis the way I do, um, it, it would be no surprise that uh, some of them uh, take it to the level of uh, religion. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly fascinating. But uh, the 501st is a, is a vast group. And, uh, you know, they do many great things, such as, as you stated before, charity. So my, my question is, uh, where did you first hear of the 501st? And uh, why did you join? Yeah, well, so like I said, I, it was a good fit for me because I had time on my hands, uh, newly discovered time on my hands. And I was really just kind of thinking, what do I want to do most? You know, and almost immediately started working uh, on the costume so that I could uh, join the 501st Legion. I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think where I first became aware of them. They're sort of omnipresent without people maybe realizing what they're seeing. So anytime you're seeing uh, high-end Star Wars costuming, uh, it's almost always related in some way to the 501st Legion or to the Rebel Legion, which is the sister organization that does the um, the Rebel side of things. And so the uh, the groups have been working uh, closely with Lucasfilm for a lot of years uh, and and do uh, sometimes uh, appearances that are organized specifically through Lucasfilm. So big sporting mm -hmm. events those are uh, usually the official costuming groups uh, and those are organized through uh, Lucasfilm's uh, uh, hockey team or a baseball team or an NFL football team. They can't uh, have a Star Wars night unless they've coordinated it through Lucasfilm because that's their intellectual property. Right. And so 
because we raise funds for uh, charity, um, all that stuff has to be very specifically handled and coordinated through Lucasfilm because Lucas, what Lucasfilm does not want is they do not want you to be profiting off of their intellectual property, basically. Absolutely. And so when you're, when you're creating exact screen accurate replicas of their costumes to the point that they utilize you to go do promotional stuff for some events and commercials and march in their parades at Disneyland and, you know, stuff like that, then, um, you know, they, they want to make sure that you're not then um, showing up at birthday parties and charging, you know, people for uh, appearances and, and stuff. And so uh, anyway, so that's, uh, you know, that's where, uh, groups like uh, the Rebel Legion, the 501st Legion, you know, it's all very codified. It's all been worked out, mm-hmm. all the rules about who has to do what and what has to be approved and, and how, you know, how it's all set up and organized. So they've got it down. It's a very fine oiled machine at this point. And so if you, you know, you love Star Wars, but you want to do more than just be a Star Wars fan, you want to use that fandom in a positive way. You want to actually you know, use your, what you love to, uh, to do some good, to help others. And, you know, not, not just put a smile on other people's face, which is a huge part of it, but also, um, be able to help financially support groups, uh, like make a wish. And we do a, they are a a prime receiver of a lot of the stuff that we do is uh, raising funds for make a wish for kids with, uh, potentially terminal illnesses. And so uh, that there's nothing better than being able to do something you love, being able to give back to charity and being able to make people in the community happy all at the same time. Uh, you know, it makes uh, taking that costume off at the end of a long day when you're dog tired. And those costumes can be very tiring to wear. Uh, and it's almost always hot. Uh, so uh, you, uh, it can, makes it all work. Really, so. Of course, of course. So unfortunately, uh, we are almost out of time, but I'm, I can't, uh, I have one more question. Uh, yeah. and, that, and that question would be uh, recently, uh, there, is, there are rumors that uh, Star Wars or Lucasfilm, including Disney, there's like a civil war in between <laughs> Disney. And they uh, basically, there's been this rumor going around that Star Wars is going to basically, quote unquote, scrap uh, the last trilogy by just making that uh, alternate timeline. And they just gonna uh, they just want to remake it entirely. Uh, so, what are your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah. So, uh, what for for those who don't follow Star Wars super uh, closely, especially like breaking news, you know, uh, what you're talking about is uh, for movies seven, eight, and nine. So, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker to be put into a category officially that is uh, alternate timeline, sort of what has been done with all of the books that existed uh, prior to Disney buying the franchise. And so when Disney paid $4 billion for Star Wars, they said, um, well, all these hundred plus books that authors have written within the Star Wars galaxy setting uh, over the years, and for a long time, that was what really kept Star Wars going. Mm-hmm. Were these books uh, because there were no movies between the first trilogy and the second trilogy for many, many years, uh, and it was the books that kept fans going. But 
they took all those books and put them into a category, sort of an alternate universe category, just like they're talking about potentially doing, you know, with those last three movies, uh, and called it Legends. And so, mm-hmm. so there is some precedence to the Disney company taking a, a group of things uh, and sticking them in a uh, official but separate category uh and uh you know they did that with the books for a very practical reason which was they just paid four billion dollars for something and they needed to clear the decks so that they had uh room for creativity in a lot of different directions and they didn't want to have to try and make all their stuff buttonhole in with all this you know hundreds of books that have been written and so uh because they do work very hard to try and keep consistency within that galaxy and so Anyway, uh, I have no idea whether there is actually much chance of that happening or not. Uh, you know, if it, this sort of comes back to my whole theory on Star Wars, uh, and you were mentioning before that, you know, I sort of take a more positive approach to it. And so, which is, you know, I don't know if that would happen uh, or not. And, I, you know, I don't really care uh one way or the other I, I, if they it doesn't feel necessary to me to but uh if they did do that i wouldn't be you know exercised over it i it yeah. wouldn't bother me uh, you know what i would do would be go see the new movies uh mm-hmm. that they made to replace those movies and enjoy them and you know find the hundreds of amazing things in each movie from that strange little creature that runs across the screen for three seconds that somebody spent six months you know creating from (laughs) drawings through mechanics to puppetry you know uh every ounce of these movies are just soaked in love and effort and creativity from an entire uh fleet of people who work to bring us these things and so uh there's just for every one thing that you go eh, do you really like the way that you know, kylo and ray kissed and then you know <laughs> i say okay well I, I'm not, you know, that's fine everybody you know likes some things don't like other things but mm-hmm. i don't really want to hear about what you didn't like i don't we've fallen as a fandom we've fallen into the trap of defining ourselves by the things about star wars that we don't like instead of the things that we do like when two star wars fans meet up they immediately start telling each other about which things they didn't like uh and that's how they kind of explain to each other who they are and i'm not about that i don't favor that at all Mm -hmm. i think that you know what i want to know about you when i meet you is what thing did you love you know, did you, you love the gonk droid, the crazy like box with legs that walks around and is an energy source. There are people who love those things. They're just in the background and going gonk, 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 you know, (laughs) uh, and and there are people who that's like their favorite thing. There are people who, you know, love those books that got, you know, made sort of officially unofficial. There are people who, you know, it is 100% about, uh, Padme Amidala and her handmaidens you know and that's that is the thing that they are most into in Star Wars uh there it's there are a thousand things like that and in each movie there are things that I'm just like oh my god did you see that 
did you see there were like a hundred of these elephant looking creatures dancing and you know there were mm -hmm. that, that explosion was incredible did you that's a brand new ship we've never seen before there's uh, there's a thousand of those things in every movie and instead everyone's like i didn't like uh this okay yeah. well a good good for you but tell me about the things that you did like that's what i'm interested in and so if we get new movies I'm sure that they will be amazing and uh, there will be hundreds and thousands of things to like in each of them. Uh, and that's where I'm going to put my energy. I don't, I think part of the problem is people feel such, it's a big, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. People feel so attached to these movies. They've been such a big piece of their lives. I saw my first one in the theater, the very first movie when I was 10 years old. Uh, and so it, it has been there my whole life. And people feel so attached and they feel, unfortunately, that attachment turns into ownership. They feel such ownership right. over the franchise and they get such a strong headcanon. They get an idea of how they think things should be. Mm -hmm. And then they go from that headcanon to making public predictions about what should and is going to happen in the next movie. And then they're out there in public saying that stuff and then they feel committed to it because they publicly said i think that this is not going to happen in the next movie and then when it does happen they feel upset and betrayed and they think that shouldn't have happened and now they're <laughs> worrying about you, you know, never know what to give them what they want and yeah you i think you know we don't own this franchise disney owns it they're an amazing company they do amazing work uh you know we are privileged to to partake of the franchise and so i say relax don't put so much energy into guessing ahead of time what is going to happen take it when it comes enjoy it find the things that are incredible about it and celebrate those things uh you know and that's just a better way to live your life honestly uh and and that's how i feel about it and and i do you know star wars all day every day because of this website i'm constantly interacting with learning new things about reading books on creating star wars content uh you know and that's my take uh, <laughs> well now uh, uh, before before you yeah. uh make a final uh proclamation on this i have that one favorite poem that i said uh was my favorite of all and i want to read it yes, uh, yes, so whenever you get to the point that you're ready to close down uh, let me uh, squeeze that poem in because I love reading it to people and I would like uh, the people who hung on uh, to the end of this interview to be able to hear this poem. Of course. Uh, so uh, actually that would be now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so please read the poem. I, uh, I'm very interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, I will preface it by saying uh, I've already said that I love Star Wars critters. And so uh, if people are enough of a fan to have watched any of the animated uh, Star Wars shows, and in mm -hmm. particular, Star Wars Rebels, there is one critter that is sort of predominant in that series, and it is the Loath Cats. And yes. so these are, these are the wild cats, basically like a domestic cat, only wild, that live free on the planet of Lothal, where a lot of that animated series takes place and uh they're constantly popping up in episodes like for a long time the kids and i would watch and like play find the loaf cat in every episode which is always some little cameo of the loaf cat and sometimes they're cute and sometimes they're fierce and 
sometimes they're a little more force uh, involved than uh, you might imagine. And but they they play a role. And uh, and so I had this vision for what would happen if um, stormtroopers uh, started sneaking Lothcats up to uh, their star destroyer where they were based as pets. Uh, and so uh, the uh, poem is called Communique from the bridge of the Star Destroyer Intolerance in orbit over Lothal. It's come to my attention, I'm sad to admit, some troopers are flouting our rules just a bit. It's the matter of Lothcats I'm talking about. Yes, I know that they're cute. That was never in doubt. The cooks are all scratching from waves of loath fleas, and the gunners can't shoot straight from their allergies. I get they're a fave of the cat-loving masses, but if Vader finds out, it is all of our asses. By the <laughs> emperor's robes, what's this new irritation? Just shoot me now. A womp rat infestation? <laughs> they are eating our rations and carrying plague. When I wasn't looking, one crawled up my leg. We need a solution, something we can do. Query all the computers and poll the whole crew. I'll admit to misjudging our lovely loath cats. It seems even the smallest spells death to womp rats. I'll induct every loath cat into the empire. There are no better ratters for rent or for hire. Wow. So that was anapestic tetrameter. So hopefully the Dr. Susie quality of that style of rhythm and meter uh, comes through a little bit in reading of that. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, really cool. And uh, I, I do very like that. Uh, I, I like that poem a lot. <laughs> it has that uh, comic <laughs> relief in it. Yeah, well, uh, as many of them do, I find if you're asking people to read poetry, especially if they're not people who naturally get a lot of poetry uh, in their lives, it's good to keep it short and numerous uh, or at least impactful. And so uh, I did a little poll, a little unofficial poll on my Instagram story one time uh, asking uh, how many people, you know, had other sources of poetry in their life or, or whether I was the only poetry that they were exposed to on a regular basis. And 85% of my respondents uh, said that, uh, that my poetry was the only poetry that they experienced on a daily basis uh and so uh that was very interesting information and and uh made me feel good in some ways uh that i could bring uh something uh to people that maybe they weren't getting anywhere else and so. absolutely and uh, one of those people is uh, me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, with that being said, thank you very much for being on our show today, uh, especially for our season finale. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Curtis. Um, always an honor having you on our show. Well, my pleasure, to, and uh, hopefully we did the uh, justice to the season finale. And so, if uh, people want to find me again, uh, they can find me uh, on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars poetry, always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for uh, all the other listeners, this is, uh, if you didn't get the message, <laughs> this is the season finale, season, uh, episode nine. Uh, we will be taking a brief break uh, between season, uh, the end of season one and the beginning of season two. Uh, season two, we will have a YouTube channel up, so make sure to follow that once it's graded. Stay posted. And as always, we will see you, I will see you in our next episode. Goodbye.